Hello, America, and welcome back to another episode of To Hear Me Tell It, The Life and Times of Jerry Daniels. When you've had your daily dose of today's craziness, dealing with all them Karens out there, ride shotgun with old JD as he goes back and recounts the life and times of growing up in the South during the 60s and 70s. I believe we were called baby boomers. Stories that you will say, yep, I've done that, but I ain't gonna tell my kids, and I ain't never told my spouse. But whatever the truth be, it will be this, to hear me tell it. Hello folks, welcome back to another episode of To Hear Me Tell It. From your friend and mine, Jerry Daniels. Yeah, I know. It's hard to be humble, especially when you're a retired Master Chief. Hey, I just want to start by saying thank you to everybody that's listening to these podcasts. Uh, I have fun doing them. Uh, I'm, I'm somewhat, well, I ain't, ain't going to say that. Let's just say uh, the numbers are dropping. And I told my wife the other day, I said, you know, I don't I don't know if there's many people think this is funny as I do. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It's like I said the other day, it's going to be a good record for my kids and my grandkids maybe one day. But, uh, and I do ask also that uh, that if you do like it, Please mark it, subscribe it, save it, whether you listen to it on podcast uh, or do you follow it on uh, Spotify or you just go to a website, go to Buzzsprout. But of course, the the number or the name, that, I'm sorry, the name that you would search under would be to hear me tell it and uh, share it with many folks as possible. Today, I'm going to talk about something that a lot of people that are in my generation talk about. And I'm going to talk about the amount of uh, and the frequency and the, the amount of, of uh, chemicals that we were exposed to as children. And, um, you know, I guess there's, there's an argument. Some people can say, well, hell, look at everybody that's getting cancer. Well, a lot of folks got cancer before all this stuff, too. But anyway, I'm going to share a couple of uh, things that I grew up with. And anybody that listened to this, it's way past our uh, generation. You may say something like, dang, really? And the answer would be, yep, sure did. Anyway, we lived in a, there was, there was a time when we lived in McCray, Georgia, and I believe that's Telfair County, if my memory serves me right. But we lived in, we lived in McCray, Georgia, and mom and daddy, and I think I may have mentioned this earlier, I don't know if we owned that little old store or we leased it or rented it, but it was called Cook Superette in, in McCray, Georgia. And we're talking about in the late 60s, and it was called Cook Superette. And it was like a little low, uh, it was a grocery store for lack of better words, but it was a little one. And of course, when you're little, everything looks big. So now I'm just going to say it was little because it looked big back then. And we had a, uh, we had a butcher. So it was, I guess it was a grocery The butcher was named Mr. Beasley. That was his name. And we, we you know, we, he was the butcher. We had a meat, you know, display case there. And uh, on the back side, well, actually on the right side of the building, there was a fire pit. And it was a barbecue pit thing built out of center blocks and had a metal roof on it, old, old tin roof. And every Thursday, don't know where daddy got them, but every Thursday we would barbecue a goat. And I say we, you know, Jerry was in the first grade. So we don't mean like me, I had nothing to do with it. I probably did nothing but get in the damn way. But daddy and, and Mr. Beasley would barbecue a goat every Thursday. And then on the front side of this little old grocery store, was a uh, a grill, for lack of better words, but there was there was two ladies that worked in there, and they had hot dogs and hamburgers and grilled cheese sandwiches and French fries and onion rings, and I do believe we had uh, goat sandwiches on you know pulled pulled goat sandwiches on Thursdays, 
if I remember right. I don't know if we did fried chicken or not. I don't remember that part. I just remember I had damn good hamburgers. Made a lot of them, and it didn't cost nothing. At least it didn't cost me nothing. But that's where we lived, and that's where I went to the first and the second grade was in McCray, Georgia. We lived across the street from a family called the Hartleys, and uh, their children was older, and I forget that lady's name. I don't remember if their daddy was living. I don't remember ever seeing him, but it was a family, and oddly, I say oddly, but anyway, it didn't matter. But uh, Mrs. Hartley had uh, three boys, Ricky, Randy, and Ronnie, and then she had two girls, uh, Renee and I can't remember the other name, but it started with an R. Anyway, all our kids' names started with an R. And uh, they were the Hartleys. And Roger, Roger, Ricky, Randy, and Ronnie, Renee. Oh, man, I can't remember the other girl's name. Maybe it's Rylene or something like that. Anyway, and there was another folks that lived down that we lived on a hill. And, of course, it, you know, the hill was big, so it probably wasn't big now. But we, there was another family that lived down the road, and their name was the Murdochs. And I think their daddy had something to do with the Army because he was loud, he had a crew-cut haircut, and he was rough and tough. He didn't give them boys an ounce of, of liberty. Let's just say that. Mr. Murdoch was a, I remember he was a stern man. I'll just leave it at that. So anyway, uh, that's not what this story is about. But when we lived in McCray, there was uh, a family and a lady named Miss Nail. I don't remember her last name, but Miss Nail worked at the grocery store. And this is where daddy, this was where my daddy, and I think this was in 68 or 69, but this is where my daddy finally was properly diagnosed as having a brain tumor and daddy went away. And I think, don't quote me on this, but I think it was the Christmas of 1968. I got a set of drums for Christmas. I'll never forget that. I got a set of drums for Christmas that didn't have drumsticks. And that Christmas morning, uh, daddy didn't get out of bed and daddy was having bad headaches, man. I mean, daddy would lay in the bed in the dark and cry for hours and nobody could figure out what was going on. And But uh, that was the day an ambulance came to the house on Christmas day and they got daddy. And I remember not seeing daddy for a long time, months. And I remember living with my cousins for a while. Rick and Randy and Ronnie over in Macon. I lived with them for a while while, while Mama and Daddy was working this medical problem out. But that's when Daddy was probably diagnosed as actually having a brain tumor and that he wasn't going crazy. So, uh, and, and I don't I don't ever remember what coming them drums. I don't ever remember getting no damn drumsticks, but who knows what happened to him. But uh, it was this town that we lived in. And, and again, this lady that worked at the store, her name was Miss Nail. She was really nice. And she had some nice kids, and we were real good friends with them. And their husband was cool. I don't remember his name. And he would take us to the state park at night with a flashlight. <laughs> I, don't, I guess this is what entertainment was back in 1968. But we would shine. We'd ride through a state park at night with big flashlights, and we'd look at raccoons digging in trash cans. Uh, that was before Facebook and cable TV and all this other crap. So that was our entertainment. But there was also another family that. Uh, lived right around the corner and their name was Walker and uh, Mr. Walker delivered milk. He drove a milk truck and I think they had two girls and two boys and uh, played with them little boys when I was little. We played with matchbox cars for hours. We'd sit in a room and play with them damn matchbox cars, matchbox cars and, and hot wheel cars. And again, this was when, you know, kids, we actually had to entertain ourselves and we played outside a lot, a, a, a whole lot. 
and we had bicycles and uh, and whatnot, and we could run from one house to the other house just through a path through a hedgerow, and and uh, you know life was simple back then, and it was it was fun, and the playground for the school wasn't far, and we'd go play on the on all the playground stuff that you played when you was at recess, but it was just at you know it was at our disposal, and we played with it a lot, and uh, we come like the champion of the monkey bars because we had an after hour. Uh, participation. We, we could practice and master our skills on it. That was back when, and I know some folks may not believe this, but that was back when playground equipment was damn hazardous. I ain't gonna say it was dangerous. We were we were a hazard to ourselves, but there wasn't a whole lot of safety involved back then. And you know, you know, and I'm a safety guy, but the reality of it is, is it was kind of like a, a double-edged sword. Uh, yeah, I'm sure some folks got hurt, broke arms, and what. Matter of fact, I know folks got hurt, broke arms, because that's one of them. But also, as a as a young person growing up, you learned a lot. You learned the hard way. You learned how not to fall. You learned how to uh, to be smarter, and you learned about physics and gravity. And and you know, we didn't know what the terms meant, but we learned about uh, the difference between dynamic and static, and and potential and kinetic, things like that. But we learned the hard way. And I remember the slide. Back then, the slides were just big old, huge, massive, damn, solid steel slides. And they were some big ones too, son, let me tell you. And in the summertime, the, the, the hell, the slides were damn hot. They'd burn you to death. So you learned a lot about that too. But I remember this one slide in particular. I'd slide down this slide, and uh, you had to be careful because down at the very bottom, at the discharge end of the slide, Hell, there was two damn bolts that was, you know, extended past their, their lock nuts. And there was bolts that would stick out. And once you caught yourself on that bolt, the uh, the thread sticking out of that bolt, you learn where not to put your hands on the last probably one foot of the of the trip down that slide. And I remember one day, either A, I don't, I don't remember at what part of my life it was at, but let me just tell you this. I remember going down that slide and I learned your hands ought not to be where they were. Because between that that little piece of skin between your 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 thumb and your and your index finger right there and the, and I call it the saddle of the grip, uh, I ripped both of those wide open, uh, you know. And you know, did Mama and Daddy go sue the school or or I don't remember. I just remember it. Damn, ripped both my little, little piece of skin. I got scars right now. Ripped them both wide open. And uh, so anyway, but we also. We would ride bikes in the town, and, and during the summer months when school wasn't in session, you know, you got to stay out later, and you stayed out till your damn mom and daddy hollered at you, and Bob Daniels could whistle, uh, and daddy could whistle loud, and he would call, you know, call us back, but the 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 city, I'm sure it was the city, paid for uh, mosquito control, because the mosquitoes were so damn bad, and sometimes, you know, some years they were worse than others. But, and, and those who were my generation, uh, they know exactly what I'm talking about because you, you knew what it meant if you was riding your bicycle in the neighborhood in the evenings and you'd hear this, this low hum sound and it had a very unique sound and it was the blower on the back of a Willis Flathead Jeep driving through there with a big old drum in the back of it with DDT chemicals. And he would ride around and he would spray a fog. And you know what? We was just kids. The only thing we screamed was, you know, some kids in the city probably would scream ice cream man. Hell, we didn't have no ice cream man, but we had the mosquito man. 
And we didn't say mosquito, we say skeeter. So we'd scream our bloody damn heads off as loud as we could, let everybody know the skeeter man was coming through the streets. So what did we do? We got our bikes and we got behind him and we thought it was cool to ride in a cloud of toxic chemicals. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Yes, sir. So we holler, Skeeter Man. And we, man, we'd muster up our bicycles, get behind this old boy. Well, one day, Jerry Daniels, being who he was, I was right on him, man. I was right on him. Right in the, and it was, it was cooler if you could ride in the mosquito cloud, the toxic cloud, and you could ride in it to the point where you couldn't see. Well, to do that, you had to get pretty damn close to him. Well, I was right up on him, man. I was in the cloud. I was, I was living it. It was great. I didn't know that the damn mosquito man had stopped. And I run in the back of that damn Jeep, full, full bore peddling. And uh, let's just say it didn't go well. Now, did the man get off the Jeep and, and do anything? No, because this was 1968 or 1969, whatever year it was. Maybe it was 67. But he didn't do nothing. If, if anything, you shook his head and said, well, that damn knucklehead, I bet he'll learn. And he was right. I learned. And uh, so far, you know, at my age, I haven't developed any kind of serious side effects. Effects? Effect? I'm just joking. But, uh, yeah, we used to ride around behind the mosquito truck and suck DDT, just concentrated mosquito killing stuff. Anyway, so uh, so that was in McCray, Georgia. And the man that owned this grocery store, uh, and I say owned, I don't know if daddy bought it from him or not. I don't know. I wish I'd, I wish I'd have asked mom and daddy before they passed away. But Anyway, the, the man who had the store, I'll just say that, his name was Mr. Cook, and he was a short man, and he kind of reminded me of the feller that had that uh, that Louisiana cooking show, and I, and I know somebody's been listening to it and telling me what his name was, but anyway, that Cajun cook that would cook on TV, Daddy loved it. He would say, uh, he would say uh, 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 bur burgundy wine and stuff. Anyway, he, he was a Cajun cook. That's, that's all I remember. He wore suspenders, but Mr. Cook reminded me of him. And he uh, he took me, and he had coon dogs. And some of these coon dogs, he kept in a cage. I say a cage, a pen, not a cage. Anyway, Mr. Cook had a, a dog pen. It was, it was a pretty good-sized dog pen back behind the grocery store. And that's where he kept his dog. And one of his dogs was named Bob, ironically. And uh, Bob didn't have but one ear because a damn big old coon had tore the, one of his ears off. I remember that. And... It, and he took me, I don't know if daddy was with us or not. I think he was. But anyway, I remember going coon hunting with him and going coon hunting for my very first time at the bright age of probably six years old. And here's all I got out of it. I only went once. Here's all I got out of it. It started late and it went late and it involved uh, a lot of men trash talking, smoking, drinking uh, gut luck, whiskey, alcohol, rock gut, whiskey, alcohol, and they would stand around the truck after they let these dogs out and they put these things in their ears and they would listen to the barks and the howls of the dogs. And uh, they had 22 rifles and flashlights. And then all of a sudden, amongst all the smoking and drinking and trash talking, one of the men would pipe up and say, Bob's on one. And, and everybody would stop and they'd put that thing to their ear and they'd listen, you know, and everybody would be pointing it the same way. And they'd say, yeah, Bob's on one. And then they would listen for a while. And they said, he's got, he's got him. He's treating, he's treating. And then they'd drop everything and they'd go toward that sound and they'd shine all them lights up there and they'd shoot that damn raccoon. And that was the extent of it. So 
my my short-lived experience of coon hunting uh involved me watching this and uh you know what it it didn't make no great impression on me because i was tired and I, and I wanted to get in the tr- i just want to get in the truck and go to sleep and sometimes i did and i went more than once but that's that's pretty much how it went so anyway but anyway the reason i i, I gave this uh, and i haven't even thought of a title for this thing yet it'll 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 be later when i think of it but we were exposed to a lot of chemicals and there was a Right next to this grocery store was an oil station, and all I remember is they had a lot of them old oil tanks and fuel tanks, and they had a lot of them uh, big square tanks that had the manual pumps on them that you could you could crank and you pump pump oil out of them or whatever else, some kind of fluid. And the ground around this facility was saturated with oil. I mean, you could walk in it and your feet would make that sucking sound. There was so many years and years and years of leaking and leaching oil into the ground. That's what it was. And behind this oil station and this in this in this grocery store, and next door to our, gro- our grocery store was kind of like in a, I ain't gonna say a strip mall, but I guess that's what we'll call it. But there was a paint store next to it that was attached to our building, so it was one building attached to another building and whatnot. But back behind there, where Mister Mister Cook had these dog pens, there was there was some. A lot of it was low lying, and it was a lot of standing water back there. And I think it was a creek back there too. But I remember going back there and playing. And one day, I lost my shoes because my feet sunk down into that damn sopping oily. It was like a tar pit back there, and it and it sucked my damn shoes off my feet. <laughs> so here I go walking back up to the grocery store, and I had to tell mom and daddy that I'd lost my shoes. And daddy was mad, boy. Woo, Bob Daniel was hot. Man, he, he daddy had a temper, but daddy took me back there and he walked back there and he took about three steps and got his damn black and white uh, bebops all all scuffed up and, and muddy and and that shit on them and stuff. I'm sorry and and whatnot and he just give up and anyway he made me go back up front and and anyway mom mom ended up having to buy a new pair of shoes, which was cool because if you needed new shoes you had to go to a big town and we would go to the we'd go to Macon. We'd go to Macon. I think, it, yeah, we'd go to Macon and we'd go uh, shoe shopping. And uh, we didn't have a whole lot of money. So it was I'm sure it was a financial strain on mom and daddy to go buy me a new pair of shoes. But all I remember is we could go to the shoe store. And if you was to buy a pair of shoes, you got a, a token of some sort. And you was able to put it in this big goose machine. And the damn goose would lay a golden egg. And then you open the egg and then you saw what your prize was. Um, it was that was that was the thing to do back then, man. And I, I love going to Macon back then because we got to go to Woolworths, and Woolworths was like a big, you know, grocery not a grocery store, but it was like a uh, like a department store, I guess. But it was it was it was big to me. But it had a it had a like a diner in it. You could go eat in Woolworths, and you could go buy some stuff. You know, it was kind of like a, a CVS uh, slash Rite Aid slash. Um, Whatever the other one, uh, uh, is it Woolworth? No, whatever it is. Anyway, I, like a big grocery, not a drugstore, a drugstore. It's like a big drugstore. That's what it was. But it was cool because not only did they sell all the, had a drugstore in there and it had that, had like a, you know, a, a bar and grill, not a bar, but it had like a grill in there and you could just sit down and order and folks wore, you know, press white stuff and white hats and ties and, and that kind of stuff. But they, they had models you know, and, and I love walking around and looking at all the model airplanes and model cars and stuff like that. And, and if, I guess 
I was behaving and mama felt inclined and maybe had a daughter to spend on me, she'd buy me a model airplane or something. I'd buy it. And life was grand back then. All right, well, that's it. That's all I got. Try to always keep them less than 20 minutes. So uh, I'll come up with the title, but uh, yeah, we, we, we survived. We grew up in, the, in an era where we were exposed to a lot of chemicals and I'm sure all the household chemicals were just as, uh, I, I say toxic. I ain't gonna say, I don't know, but it was toxic, I'm sure. Uh, paint back then had lead in it. Uh, when we broke a thermometer, we played with the mercury. I, I'll confess, I played with a lot of mercury in my day. And um, and we chased a skeeter man, and life was fun. So that was it. So that's to hear me tell it. And me and my sister, we're okay. We survived. I love y'all. God is great. God is good. God is awesome in all records. And uh, as my friend from where? Elgin, South Carolina. My great American, Mike Coker, would tell me, bicycle. Bicycle.